what are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we got to preview that big series against the San Francisco Giants. Is Mike Hazen leaving for the Boston Red Sox? And then three players that need to heat up in the final stretch of the season. Breaking it all down on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Lock on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreoThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. And today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections get yours today at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com now let's get into this podcast i want to discuss this series against the cubs preview the next series for the d-back just kind of do a state of the d-backs right now because we really didn't talk about too much on yesterday's podcast because it was of course, Mondays with Sully, but for this podcast, I do want to talk a little bit about that recent series and the upcoming series because this D-backs team has been pretty up and down, what, since post-All-Star break, right? And really over the last month, month and a half, this D-backs team is starting to finally look like itself once again, but still pretty hit or miss. I mean, they sweep the Chicago Cubs, but that was after losing three out of four to the New York Mets and just looking super weird. And Really, for this D-back squad, when you look at them over the last month, this team is good against wildcard teams and nothing else because when I look at the schedule and move backwards, they just swept the Cubs, they lost to the New York Mets, then they took three out of four against the Cubs, beat the Rockies, the Rockies don't count, but then they lost to the Baltimore Orioles, right? Before the Orioles, you lost to the Dodgers. Before the Dodgers, you took three out of four from the Reds. You took two from the Rangers. You took three out of four from the Padres when we thought they were still kind of in the mix. You beat the Rockies. They took another two out of three from the Padres, and that goes back to August 11th. So if you look at all the series that the D-backs have won since August 11th, if you take away the Colorado Rockies, all the D-backs do is beat teams in the wildcard race. And the Padres at the beginning of August was still in the mix. Because if you remember, that first series that the D-backs played, um, that, you know, because remember the Rockies were in were, were sandwiched in between two series against the Padres. That first series that the D-backs played against the Padres before playing the Rockies, there was a chance where if the Padres, you know, swept the D-backs in that series, like they would have moved, I think, ahead of the D-backs in the standings because it was doing that really long mire slump for the D-backs. And thankfully, the D-backs got back on track. And basically, you could say since August 11th, the D-backs have won all the series that they absolutely needed to. They beat the Padres, who could have, you know, jumped them in the standings. They beat the Reds to 
keep pace with them and jump them in the standings as well. They beat the Rangers, who it doesn't really matter, but the Rangers are a wild card team, which I think is interesting. They lost to the Dodgers. They lost to the New York Mets. They lost to the Baltimore Orioles. All series that, if you had to pick series on their schedule over the last month, the series that you could potentially lose and be okay in the standings, you would have picked the New York Mets, who were out the playoffs and have no bearing on this wild card race, right? You would have picked the LA Dodgers, who already have the NL West locked up. You would have picked the Baltimore Orioles, who play, you know, in a whole different league and have their division either locked up or going to finish with the top wild card spot. So all the teams that they've been losing to over the last month, month and a half, are all teams that don't really affect them in the standings. And then the teams that directly are going against them in this wild card race the d-backs are beating with the cubs and the reds and next up they have to do it against the giants and if they did against the cubs going to this series against san fran i think the d-backs are going to win because in every game against chicago the d-backs scored at least six runs against the Mets series that was one of the biggest issues they had they could not create enough scoring opportunities and when they did they were not cashing those opportunities we saw some of those struggles in this series against the cubs but when it mattered most when they needed the big hit the d-backs were able to get it specifically late in those games, late in game two, late in game three. The D-backs have been one of the best teams in Major League Baseball making comebacks all season, and we saw that in full display against the Chicago Cubs. They battled back multiple times, especially in that game two. And the pitching was really good against the Cubs, specifically the starting pitching, because it was your back three of your rotation for the D-backs. You had the Ryan Nelsons, the Zach Davies, and the Brandon Fots going against the Cubs, who had their number one, two, three in the rotation, and it didn't matter. The D-backs offense was still able to get to the Cubs' opposing starting pitching, while the D-backs' own starters did well. And I think in that game, too, you got nine innings and zero earned runs from your bullpen. Like The pitching was solid in this series against Chicago, and it's only a two-game series against the San Francisco Giants, but you're going to have Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly on the mound in those two, you know, for those two games. So you're going to feel like your team is at least really set up to potentially take down that Giants squad. Hopefully the D-backs continue to wear their Serpientes jerseys against the Giants because the D-backs are now 11-3 on the season. When they wear those Serpientes jerseys, it just feels like they just have such positive vibes, you know, when they wear the best jerseys in Major League Baseball. Gallon and Merrill Kelly going for this little two-game series. The D-backs get a two-game sweep. They will own the tiebreaker over the Giants. They don't own it against the Reds. They don't own it against the Marlins, but they do own it against the Chicago Cubs. And if they beat the Giants, they will own it over the Giants as well. So they will own it at least... You know, against half the teams that are vying for one of those, you know, vying for the second or third wild card spot because I'm just assuming the Phillies are going to get the top spot, but you never know. Zach Allen on the mound, game one, 3.9 ERA over 12 starts, 67 innings against the Giants in his career, but this season has been even better than that. Five earned runs over 13.2 innings pitch, so he has been pretty good against the Giants this year, and that Giants lineup, once again, just doesn't scare me, has a bunch of quality major leaguers, veterans in it, but the Conforto, J.D. Davises, the Tyro Estradas, the Lamont Wades, like their best players are guys who just don't scare me. I want Zach Gallon to go into Chase Field and just mow them down in game one. Merrill Kelly in game two, three, four, eight year rate, over 17 starts against the Giants in his career. This season, only one star against the Giants and did not look good. Five earned runs over five innings pitch. So we'll see both those guys. I do trust, you know, overall, but 
what we've seen over the last month. Zach Allen has not been good. Merrill Kelly coming off one of the worst starts of his career. So hopefully, I believe, right, Merrill Kelly's coming off. Or at least one of his recent starts was really bad for Merrill Kelly. So hopefully these two guys get back on track. And when you just look at other series across Major League Baseball that are going to affect this wild card race, you got the Marlins versus the Mets, two NL East opponents. So I think I throw out the records for that one, considering the Mets also have a ton of talent. Phillies versus the Braves. The Braves are currently beating up the Phillies, or excuse me, the other way around. The Phillies are currently beating up the Braves at the time of me recording this. The Braves also just lost and got whooped by the Marlins, so hopefully the Braves could get back on track and kind of help out the D-backs a little bit here. Cubs versus Pirates. You don't love to see that, at least on paper, because it feels like a series that the Cubs should win. And then Reds versus Twins is kind of interesting. Two teams in two different leagues. One's a division winner, one's fighting for a wild card spot, but both of them pretty much have the same record. So no series they could really look at from our wild card opponents and say, you know what, they're going to get smacked around this week. Actually, all of them kind of have, you know, uh, you know, big advantages in their series, except for maybe the Phillies, but the Phillies just have so much more to play for at this point in the season. The Braves kind of already have everything locked up, so I don't know how much fire and spirit we'll get from the Braves for the rest of the season, but it doesn't really matter about what other teams are doing as long as the D-backs win their games. They currently own that number two spot in the wild card race. As long as the D-backs continue to win games, it doesn't really matter what else happens in Major League Baseball. Now I want to talk to you guys about Mike Hazen potentially leaving the Arizona Diamondbacks for the Boston Red Sox. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping they have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. Promo code locked on. And don't forget to catch every pitch on, their, on the D-backs broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's discuss Mike Hazen leaving for the Boston Red Sox because the Red Sox just fired their GM, Shane Bloom, and, or Heim Bloom, I think it's pronounced. I always call him Shane, but I think it's pronounced Heim. Um, the guy who traded away Mookie Betts, that will be the legacy, the headline on his tombstone, right? And I personally believe that that was not even his call because I don't think a new GM, the first thing he does when he gets hired for a job is to say, you know what? This guy who's won multiple World Series and MVP, great man on and off the field, one of the best players the sport has ever seen. Yeah, I'm just going to trade that guy for a bunch of scrap and pieces. I don't think that was a Heim Bloom decision. I think that was the front office trying to get cheaper and they were using him as the figurehead but 
outside those big moves like the Mookie Betts ones, um, it's not like Bloom made many you know, smart decisions outside that. The whole thing was a disaster. I think the Boston Red Sox are actually going to be nasty this year because um, when the Red Sox do something like this, that means they're about to have a whole philosophy flip. I think they're going to go out there, get a Dave Dombrowski type, someone that's going to come in and get real aggressive and start spending money, and maybe they go after a Shohei Otani. Now, do I think that GM that they're going to go out there and get to make all these moves? Do I think that man is Mike Hazen? No, but Mike Hazen has been brought up in some discussions of, you know, should he take over that job in Boston and be their new GM? Some people think he has genuine interest. You know, maybe it's both ways, or maybe he's just using that job as leverage to get more money and extension from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Show, show, right? Show, not so, show. So what should the D-backs do with this situation? I think what they should do is not feel the pressure of the situation, number one. Mike Hazen, he's fine. He's a solid GM. I don't think he's the worst GM, but Mike Hazen is no Theo Epstein who went into Boston, won World Series, changed that culture, went into Chicago, broke two curses for the two curse, the two most cursed franchises. He broke both the curses. The Red Sox, 86 years, went in there, won a World Series almost immediately, then went to Chicago almost immediately, broke a 100-plus-year curse. Now he went into the Major League Baseball office operations right under Rob Manfred. Theo Epstein almost immediately saves baseball. Games are way shorter. Offense is up. Theo Epstein is the smartest man, I think, to ever grace Major League Baseball in terms of an executive, in terms of a guy behind the scenes. Mike Hazen's not that guy. Mike Hazen is not even a Billy Bean who has one of the best movies I've ever seen portrayed for a guy who has never won anything in his life. Mike Hazen is neither one of those because at least Billy Bean has a philosophy and a process. Maybe he doesn't always get the outcome and the results, but you can at least say he has a sound process that will at least lead to some results on the field and make you a competitive franchise. Mike Hazen, there's a lot of questionable decision-making during his tenure with his D-backs team. I'm not the biggest Mike Hazen guy, despite the team's success this year. I just don't think he's worth giving a massive extension to. I don't think this power play that Mike Hazen might potentially be doing, I, it wouldn't scare me. Just because he might have a little leverage with the Boston Red Sox, a big franchise organization, that doesn't mean I should just pony up a massive deal to Mike Hazen to give him a five, six-year extension to make him one of the highest-paid GMs in Major League Baseball. That just doesn't seem like smart business to me. I kind of like the short-term deals that we're doing with Mike Hazen because guess what? If it doesn't work out, I want to be able to get out of that deal. He hasn't showed me enough since taking over in 2017 to garner a massive extension. Yes, the D-backs are finally starting to turn it around, but how many years of poor decision-making, and I'm not even sure he should be the right man to lead this current tenure of D-backs core that could, you know, potentially parlay into this next great era of D-backs baseball. Maybe not year-in, year-out World Series contention, but can the D-backs be one of the most competitive franchises in Major League Baseball for the next, you know, five to ten years? I think they can, but I don't know if Mike Hazen's the right guy, the right GM to be the leader of this team. Now, if Boston offers Mike Hazen a lot of money, a lot more than he's making right now, then I think the D-backs should just let him walk. Otherwise, just keep doing these short-term deals. 
I do like what Mike Hazen has done in terms of building up the farm system. Yes, he got the Corbin Carrolls in the first round. We'll see what the Jordan Lawlers, the Drew Jones turned into, the Perdomos have been an all-star this season. So in terms of building up a farm system, that has been pretty successful and pretty impressive during the Mike Hazen tenure. But does that mean I should just sweep under the rug all the bad decision-making he's made? Has the farm system outweighed all the negativity that I think we've seen during his tenure? In my opinion, it has not because when I lay out all the boneheaded decisions that he's made, I mean, I'm not even going to get into all of them, but just a few of them. I mean, the Paul Goldschmidt trade just right off the bat. Yes, part of that was probably the ownership coaxing him into that deal. Maybe Paul Goshman not wanting to come back, but still, it wasn't like he got a crazy amount of money. Mike Hazen should have done better at negotiating with his player, bringing him back, and then we do trade him away. The return that you get, the Luke Weavers, we know he's not a real Major League pitcher. The Carson Kelly, no one's, I don't think he's on a, I think he is on a roster, but Carson Kelly, um, any upside or ceiling they thought he might have once had, you could kiss all your potential dreams with him goodbye. Just a disaster of a trade. Zach Granke deal, Seth Beard, J.B. Braskakis, Cord Martin have all been bad. You did get Josh Rojas, Josh Rojas out of it. That has turned into Paul Seawald, so we'll see about that deal. I mean, Dominic Canzone and Josh Rojas are not bad players to get back in a deal when trading away a reliever. Got nothing for Robbie Ray, who then turned into a Cy Young Award winner. Got nothing for Starling Marte when he traded, traded him away. Then the year after, we saw him get traded for like Jesus Lazardo by the Miami Marlins. So just terrible job there. Signed a lot of terrible relievers over the years, from the Guerreras to the Hector Rondones to the to the Chris Davinsky's, to the Joaquin Soria's, to the Tyler Clippers, like so many bad relievers. Signed Madison Bumgarner to a five-year $85 million deal when Ben Caspic of Lockdown Giants said he would have sat down with our GM and told him about all the red flags as to why he should not have signed him. It's like, how does every person on Twitter, how do all these Lockdown hosts, like, it's like all of them could give advice to Mike Hazen of things not to do, but somehow this organization still does it. It's like, no, don't trade for Jace Peterson. He's not a good guy. No, don't call up Paven Smith. Send him back down. No, don't put, you know, reliever X out there right now in this big scenario. Like, it's not going to help. It's like somehow the fans and people on Twitter are sometimes better GMs and managers than what the D-backs be doing sometimes with their decision-making. But hey, to each its own, you didn't bring back J.D. Martinez. And part of that made sense because you didn't have the universal DH at the time. And he would have just been an awful, awful defender. But in hindsight, you did get the DH not too long after that. And J.D. Martinez quite literally probably had the best two-month three-month run we've ever seen from D-back in franchise history, so it would have been kind of nice to bring that guy back. A.J. Pollock, Patrick Corbin, those guys aren't superstars, but he let them go for nothing. Just a lot of weird you know, decisions over the years, and this was a team, his first year, that went to the playoffs. They won a wildcard game. Did they get swept in the divisional round? Yeah, but like you had at least something in your first year as a GM. You say, you know what? My first year, playoff team, Roster's not even terribly old. Like, we got some solid core pieces here. Why not try to retool and rebuild around that and see if we could get even better? And I guess they want to get cheaper. I guess they didn't think that they had a team that could really, you know, had something to build off of because that very next offseason, after making, to, making it to the playoffs, 
Mike Hazen just kind of sat on his hands. He really did nothing to build up the roster after that. Let guys like J.D. Martinez, as I mentioned, go into free agency and just walk away. Trade away guys like Grand Jury in a really weird deal and didn't even like bring in anyone of note. And we just kind of did nothing after making it to the postseason. Didn't try to improve the roster. That was the, like the first red flag for me during this Mike Hazen terror. Excuse me, during this Mike Hazen tenure and since then it has not been pretty 2021 was the worst season in franchise history and the worst seasons we've ever seen from a franchise in major league baseball history just so many bad moves too many and i don't think they justify the good ones for keeping him around now i don't think everything's on mike hazen i do think some of this is on ownership I do think their you know, ownership doesn't always want to shout the money. I think we've seen some of that with the Paul Goldschmidt contracts over the year. But even with that being said, I do think there's some fundamentally wrong things when it comes to Mike Hazen and his philosophy on how he views certain players, the guys he ships off, the guys he likes to bring in, like the Jace Petersons of the world. So will it get better if Mike Hazen left? I don't know. You could promote from within, but honestly... I wouldn't mind Mike Hazen going off to Boston and the D-backs bring in someone entirely different, new philosophy, and a fresh set of eyes to hopefully run the ship because I'm not entirely convinced Mike Hazen should be the leader to shepherd the next generation of D-backs baseball. Now I want to talk to you guys about some X-Factors and players that need to heat up during this final stretch of the Major League season. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about LinkedIn sales. Because are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach is wasting time of both the buyer and seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to better outcomes like more pipeline, higher win rates, and larger deals. We call this Deep Sales, and we've built the first Deep Sales platform with the, with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash lockdown. That is, that is linkedin.com slash lockdown for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash lockdown. On and get started. And don't forget to catch every D backs pitch on the hometown broadcast when you download the series XM app and search up Diamondbacks. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the lock on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's discuss some players that need to heat up down the stretch of the season. I have three players kind of written down here. You'll see what I mean when we get into it. Excuse me, the first player that I want to discuss. These are players that are kind of comatose right now, in slumps, cold at the plate, or maybe cold on the mound. That just need to heat up for the D-backs during this final stretch of the season. There's a lot of different players, a lot of direction they could go in. But these are three players I want to lock in right now. First one, Christian 
Walker. This is one of the most underrated players in Major League Baseball. Still on the season, a 260 average, uh, 829 OPS. Like both of those numbers are higher than last year. Like his slash line across the board is better than last year, which is kind of crazy because he is coming off a very good season. But one RBI short of what he had last year. He's got 30 home runs compared to 36 last season. He's got more doubles as well as he's already tied for the amount of hits he had last year and 13 less games. He's got nine stolen bases. So Christian Walker is having himself a really strong season. And now back-to-back seasons where like, yeah, Christian Walker is like an all-star level first baseman despite not being an all-star team. Christian Walker is a stud. And now has three seasons with basically 30 home runs in the last five years. Like, and you guy can't you can't take, you know, that 2020 COVID shortened season with any, you know, you can't put credence into that one. So really it's like three of the last four years is at least 30 home runs in a season, which is crazy. But over the last two weeks, his last 14 games, Christian Walker has been absolutely ice cold, 148 average, 400 OPS. And the worst part about it, there has just been no power for Christian Walker, who is one of the strongest players in Major League Baseball. Zero home runs and just one extra base hit over his last 14 games. Like I just said, career high in doubles this year. And he's going to be right there with what he had in home runs last season, which was 36 last year for a career high at 30 right now with 13 less games played than last season. So potentially could tie it. I doubt it, but he'll probably finish the season with 32. But still needs to heat up. He can finish with an all-time season, maybe a career high in average, definitely a career high in OPS if he continues just on a decent pace. And if he's able to heat up, Christian Walker is going to have career numbers, and he's not that far away from his arbitration being up. Arbitration for this, or he's under contract for this season, and then arbitration for just next year before he hits free agency. So finish this season strong, have one more great season next year, and then honestly, Christian, you're looking at a pretty big payday for a guy that could play the best defense at first base in Major League Baseball, plus add some power, just be a great guy in the locker room as well. Christian Walker is going to make himself some money next year, but first, he needs to finish this season strong. Next up, this is where I cheat a little bit. I put the left side of the infield here. I could have chose the player, but Emmanuel Rivera, Jace Peterson, Jordan Lawler, and Geraldo Perdomo combined. They're 14 for their last 88, which is a 159 average. The D-backs are just getting absolutely nothing from their left side of the infield. I forgot to put Evan Longoria in this mix. I should have done that as well because he's another guy that has just done Nothing recently. Longoria, I actually have the number here. In his last eight games played, he's a 344 OPS and a 136 average. So the whole left side of the infield just hasn't done anything. And at different points this year, like most of those guys have been super effective. Like Emmanuel Rivera, the first month of the season was like a 330 hitter, right? We know he's got some true contact ability. Geraldo Perdomo was, of course, an all-star in the first half of the season. Jace Peterson has had a couple of moments this year. Jordan Lawler hasn't really had a moment with the D-backs yet this season, but one of the top prospects in Major League Baseball is the D-backs' top prospect, could make an impact. And then Evan Longoria, legend, veteran, first half of the season before all the injuries, really good power bat, of course, but has been struggling mightily. And that whole left side of the infield, just struggling a lot over the last month plus, and we're going to need someone to step up, either Jordan Lawler, 
tap into that, you know, prodigious talent that he has, maybe wreak some havoc on the bases, show us some pop that you potentially have. I want to see something from you. Perdomo is one of the clutchest dudes in Major League Baseball, runners scoring position. If he, if he had men on the bases, I don't think there was anyone in this D-backs organization that I trusted more than Geraldo Perdomo in the first half of the season, so hopefully he could get back to that. Jace Peterson, I don't really have too many things nice to say about him. Evan Longoria, maybe turn back the clock a little bit. Of course he's old, but this is someone that still has pop, and this is someone that, when I was a kid rooting for the Boston Red Sox, he ended my dreams on the last day of the season when he hit a home run against the New York Yankees to send the Rays to the playoffs and solidify the Red Sox with the worst collapse in Major League history. Maybe Evan Longoria could right that wrong, full circle moment, and on the last day of the season, hit a home run that propels the D-backs into the postseason. That would make me so happy, and it would heal my inner child. And then the last player that I want to discuss that needs to heat up is this man right here on my YouTube stream, Zach Gallen. I did drop him admittedly before doing the stream. He lost his glove hand. I apologize. One of my coworkers might have another Zach Gallen bobblehead, so I have to text him to see if he could get me one because I unfortunately broke this Zach Gallen bobblehead before the stream started. But maybe Zach Gallen needs to start pitching with one hand. Because recently, pitching with two hands has not been working out for him. Over his last five starts, he has a 5-2-8 ERA over his last five starts. And you have to realize, during that five-start stretch, he had one start. We had a complete game shutout. So even with a complete game shutout, his ERA is still north of five over the last five starts with a 1.4 whip and a 287 average allowed. Zach Gallen had just not looked like himself. I don't know why. This is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. This was the Cy Young Award winner up until, what, mid-August, I want to say, up until this five-star stretch. So Zach Gallen needs to get back on the horse. This is one of the best pitchers the D-backs have ever had. This is one of the best pitchers in the sport. And for Zach Gallen, he needs to pitch like the Cy Young Award winner. I know that he can be. Now, that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, doses.